This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Phyllis Strong, writer-producer on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. Trip. Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Let's go. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5. I'm your host, Patrick Devlin, and join with me, as always, my good friend, Brandon Shamatala. Brandon, how are you? I'm uh, I'm feeling a little worried here because we got to go into some deep, dark territory. we got to save the planet Earth from, from this terrible species who wants to annihilate us once again. Well, since you put it that way, I shouldn't have sounded so happy up front, huh? Yeah, well, you're, you know, if you're okay with the death of the world, that's, that's your call. Uh, well, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what to tell you. It's just we're just we're not gonna go in there and do any Starfleet kind of stuff, though, right? We're just gonna run in we're there and punch steal. him in the mouth, right? Yeah, we're gonna punch. We're gonna steal. All right. We're gonna yeah. So so, like that. so it was. It's good. I was happy up front. That's good. <laughs> that matches me perfectly. Um, stealing stuff is not what we're here to talk about, and we do have a special guest here today. Uh, our special guest is Chris Hill. Chris, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. How about you guys? Good, good. Okay. We are doing great. So uh, this is your first time on Warp 5, correct? Correct. So usually when we have someone on for the first time, we like to get their history in uh, Star Trek. So if you'd like to give the listeners your history on you know, how you got into Star Trek, what your first you know, episodes were watching, stuff like that. Okay. Um, really for me, it started at a very young age. My dad got me into it. Um, <clears throat> the first episode I actually remember watching is uh, Space Seed for the uh, original series. And oh, um, pretty much up until I'd say, uh, 08, 09, around in there. Um, it was just the original series and then all 10 movies at the time. Then, um, I decided to catch Enterprise when it was, when they were doing the uh, reruns on, uh, sci-fi. And then that's when I just really kind of started to expand within Star Trek itself. So, so, so really you went from TOS to, to the prequel and you didn't watch any of the in-between between those two? I, I'd, I'd seen a couple uh, Next Generation episodes here and there, but it was just it was just pretty much, you know, the original series and then uh, the animated series, too, but... Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still haven't watched the animated series, so oh, I keep getting yelled at Brandon for that! <laughs> I watched, like, four episodes, and then life got in the way again. Oh, life. 
So how would you rank Enterprise, Chris? Is it uh, high on your list or is it low on your list? Yes. Uh, my, the way that I actually rank the series is I've got different tiers. Like my, my top tier actually includes the original series, the animated series, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, and Discovery. My middle tier is the next generation just because, I mean, yeah, it's great. To, but to me, it's it's just kind of there. And then Voyager is on is on my bottom tier just because I've really had a hard time getting into it and getting through it. So that's the only okay. one that I haven't seen all the way through. Okay. Well, then it's a good thing we're not doing a Voyager podcast. Here no. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, which is your favorite season of Enterprise? Um, really, it's a toss up between season three and season four. Okay. All right. Finally, someone else who said season three. <laughs> Well, he said season three. And I don't care. Four, he still said three. I didn't say he didn't, didn't say another season. I just said he said three. My favorite is by far season three, and I'm the only person with that opinion, other than you, who then hedged your bets on four. Well, hey, you know, win some, lose some, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I take that as a win. So, <laughs> right on, excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Chris. You reached out to me through uh, Facebook uh, asking if you could be on the show, and we've been chatting back and forth through a few different Facebook groups, and mm-hmm. and uh, we've been planning this for a little while because we're just down to our every other week schedule right now, and we thought a perfect one to have you on for would be our see it, not not see it or skip it, our essential <laughs> enterprise is what we call it here. So uh, for those that don't remember, we've done for season one and two already. And what we do is we go through the episodes one at a time, and then the three of us will give a vote as to whether or not we think the episode is essential to the plot of the season or not. Not whether it's good or bad, whether it's essential. And we're trying to determine which episodes could you skip if you didn't if you were new to the show and you just wanted to get like a, a feel for what everything is and what are the most important episodes. Now, with the nature of the season, I'm going to guess that we're probably going to have a pretty high number compared to most seasons. Um, but just as a quick recap here, so for season one, we rated 14 out of the 26 episodes as essential. So that's 53.85%. And for season two, we rated only 11 out of 26 as essential uh, for a rating of 42.3%. So right now, less than half of Enterprise has been deemed essential by us uh, when you average out those two seasons there. So uh, I think that we're probably going to increase that average a little bit there. What do you think, Chris? I think so. I actually uh, kind of rewatched season three just to kind of refresh my memory on it because it's been a couple years since I've done a kind of a watch through. So I just kind of going through is like not that many we can kind of skip. So yeah, I think it'll be. I think we'll be pretty high here. Um, I think there'll be a couple in here that we might be able to get rid of, but uh, I'm I'm gonna predict we'll probably be at about nineteen or twenty of the twenty four. I'm gonna That's say right. right now I would keep I would watch twenty three of them essential and one goes away. Hmm. Really? You really don't think zero hour is that essential? <laughs> I didn't say the first twenty three. I thought it was gonna be impulse the one that was not essential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone who listens to this knows what I'm not watching. <laughs> Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right on. Okay, well, uh, we, we've kind of gone over how we're going to do this here. So, Chris, why don't you just take it away? All right. To kind of recap our season here to start with, 
We're starting with Zind or the Zindi, sorry, for the. Uh, they're six weeks into the Delphic Expanse, and the crew is tipped off by a freighter captain who knows a lone Zindi working on a remote mining colony. Okay, I will go ahead and, and start off with, with this one then. Um, this one's definitely a keep. It kind of establishes the Season 3 arc, and really, there's to me, there's not a whole lot more needed than that, just kind of getting the establishment going. So so I would agree, actually. I vote to keep this one as an essential. Not keep it, I'm sorry. We're doing keep it or leave it, but... Um, I would vote this is an essential because, first off, it's a continuation from season two, right? It's a pickup mm -hmm. right after season two. Plus, it literally sets up what we're going to be doing next over the next few episodes. It also sets up what the entire season is going to be about. And, most importantly to me, is it sets up the temperament of the crew for this season and how they're kind of going about. I mean, it kind of changes towards the end of the season. You see the characters develop a bit, but... This is really the attitude the crew is going to have going through this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you guys 100%. This is definitely essential for the season because uh, not only does it set up where we're going, it sets up the mission and how frustrating it's been to start off, but it sets up what they're doing. This is their first evidence that they've they've the first clue that they've had for their search. And I don't think you can miss this one at all uh, because of the information that they get from the from the prisoner on the planet. I think it's absolutely essential for the plot. So we're you, we are union unanimous. And I don't know if I mentioned when we started, but we'll, uh, with the, because we have three people, then what we do is we go with the majority. So uh, if two people vote one way or the other, then that's what we go with when we, when we determine our Right, right. Our They're essential. not individual lists. It's the show's yeah. list. Yeah. So I might lose. Yeah. We'll, we'll see here coming up. So. All right. Next, we're on to Anomaly. The Enterprise is damaged by spatial anomalies and boarded by interstellar pi pirates who rob the ship of critical resources. Brandon, what do you think? I think this one's essential because it really sets up the danger of the Delphic Expanse. This is really kind of the first time that we see um, the what the, what the uh the anomalies can do to the ship and how it distorts them and i mean like that's such a huge plot point for the season itself right when they get they start to find the spheres and then they start to like plot the spheres and be able to plot where the anomalies are uh the heaviest so this is definitely an essential plot point not to mention the callback later on for the opposite side of the coin uh which we'll be talking about later on with uh with a specific episode uh, Patrick. Yeah, so I agree. You can't skip this one and understand the anomalies. You know, they'll pop up later on and you won't really understand what they're talking about. I mean, I guess they, they kind of explain anomalies again, but this is really where we first see them. This is when we first understand this spatial distortion that's going on in this area and why, like Brandon said, the Delphic expanse itself is dangerous. And on top of that, they add the pirates in, so it shows the temperament of the people you might be running across for the rest of this mm -hmm. season. And you can't skip this. This is an essential episode. Well, we are uh, two for two on our unanimous. Um, this one's essential. For me, it shows you know how Archer and the crew needs to adjust to, to life there in the Delphic Expanse. Plus, we also get some uh, Zindi Council scenes, too, mm -hmm. which sets up for further on down in the season. Absolutely, yeah. So I think this is going to be a uh, a common thing that we'll be hearing is a, the essentialness of... Uh, of, <laughs> of unanimous votes. All right, now we are on to episode three. 
Extinction. Archeridin Sato are threatened by a virus that mutates them into primal life forms. All right, I'll take a break here. I'll see you guys in five minutes. Oh, <laughs> so then we already we already know Patrick's one. For... So Patrick says no. Okay, so no, so Brandon, I'd love to hear your take on this, Brandon. Okay, I'm gonna vote that it's essential, and the reason why is because of how it ties into the next episode. And how that episode ties into um, Carpenter Street. Bullocks. So I I think it's just necessary enough for the next episode. Wait, wait, wait. Right, can you explain what, right. what tie-in? So Regine, uh, like the, the information that Regine gets in the next episode, so I'm kind of jumping ahead, right? So... The information mm-hmm. that Regine gets from them is not complete because of the mutation, right? Mm-hmm. So that foils her plot, which makes the the next plot necessary in Carpenter Street. Ah, they could have easily have explained this away with just by running across the anomalies caused that problem. That's my problem with that excuse. But with Regine, how are we going to explain Archer's itch if we Archer don't what? include extinct Archer's itch? Oh, they're, they're, they're at the line. Of... A single throw in the line can fix that problem. <laughs> Seriously, I don't. I, I, the anomalies could have caused the same problems, and we'd be in the exact same place. Well, I, I, I when when I wrote my notes for this one, I put futile, but I will try to find a reason. And because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking, you know, this one would would not make it. But I agree that it is essential to keep because we are probably going to go ahead and keep regime. So yeah, but. Oh. <laughs> I can make an argument for regime without this episode. <laughs> you, 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 okay, so then, okay, so my pro- right here's now? my problem. You know how they what they should have done if they wanted me to keep this episode? For me personally, the guy who tries to kill them in the beginning should come back at some point in this this season or next. You're not wrong. If that happened, I'd agree with you. But since we're only talking about an itch and we're talking about regime, I don't need this. <laughs> You're not wrong, but the beauty of this is the rules that we've already established mean that this is essential because we've got two people. And this is why I quit. (laughs) So unless you can give us an extreme, extreme reason for um, why Regime can stand out on its own. I already gave you reasons. Well, well. You can explain that all the way with the anomalies. Okay, let's let's do the Regime now. (laughs) Okay. On to Regime. The Enterprise takes aboard Regine, a beautiful, enigmatic passenger with ulterior motives. Um, I say that this one's essential because it helps the the crew kind of continue their mission looking for the Trellium D. Plus we get some more Zindi Council scenes and we get our first encounter with the reptilian and insectoids fighting the Enterprise. Yeah, and as I've said, I think this is essential because of how it ties into Carpenter Street later on down the road with the uh, insectoids, or not the insectoids, sorry, the reptilians' plan to um, use a biological weapon. Patrick, I this is with... your chance to convince us that regime can stand on its own and you may change my mind on extinction. How does this stand on its own? How does this stand on its own? Well, yes. I just don't think you need the information from the last episode. But more importantly to me, because I'm going to go a different way since you guys already said the other parts that I actually do agree with on why they, this one has to stay. Another reason is we finally or we begin to see what Archer's willing to do 
moving forward. He doesn't go all the way here, but we see he's starting to end up going in that direction. And that's mm-hmm. why this episode needs to stay. Excellent. You didn't convince me to remove I didn't extinction. think I was going to, but I still hate the last episode. <laughs> I don't think it exists. Well, we'll keep it in there just so that way you can continue to hate it. Because oh. we all, we all, we all got to have something we hate, right? There's plenty. Yeah. I didn't need this. Well, yeah. Well, I, mean... I, I've, I got what I hate, which is Patrick. Right. <laughs> right. So why should I be saddled with something I hate? <laughs> Misery loves company. <laughs> We're going to move on to Impulse. After finding a drifting hull of a Vulcan cruiser inside an asteroid field, Captain Archer and his crew are surprised to find Vulcans alive on it. When they are stranded there, they must find out what happened to the crew before Tapulse succumbs to the same fate. Uh, Patrick, how about you? I um, this is for me. This is an obvious keeper because without this, we don't understand the whole Trellium addiction Tapal goes through later on in the season. Mm-hmm. Brandon, I think it's absolutely essential to show uh, the madness that can occur in the expanse because we um you know we got that little tiny tease in the season finale last year the expanse and they talked about the vulcans Mm -hmm. and how like the vulcans insides went out you know were inside out anatomically inverted i think was the term that they used um no that was klingons no it was vulcans or maybe the klingons were anatomically inverted yeah i think it was the klingons were anatomically inversed but yeah, the, it, they found out because the Vulcans never came back. Right, yeah. And so that was a very important plot point for me because that's kind of the thing that they generally don't follow up on or don't follow up on well. And I think that they did a really good job following it up on with Impulse. And, you know, it's not my favorite episode. It's a good impu- uh, a good episode. It's a scary horror zombie kind of episode. And But I think it's essential. This one I actually was was one of the ones that I did not deem essential because Vulcan zombies, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I actually enjoyed um, the episode. <laughs> and and for me, you know, nothing really moves moves the uh whole season arc forward apart from the whole trillium aspect, but that could be in a different episode. Just they're kind of they're, they're searching, you know, they can kind of see old file or kind of call back to the files from the expanse about what happened without having the whole episode on board the Vulcan ship. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you don't think it's essential? Not to me. Okay. He's given the same bad excuse I gave for extinction. <laughs> yeah. We, we've only got two votes here so far. So far we're pretty much across the board. All right. So next episode will be Exile. Hoshi is contacted by a mysterious telepath who offers to help Enterprise in its mission for a price. Brandon, what do you think? I don't think this one's essential enough. I know that this guy's supposed to be giving them information, and I know that the information that he gives them is kind of important, but I think that they could have... That, that, I, don't, I don't think it plays enough of a role later on and maybe i'm wrong on that one but I, my vote is for not essential uh, can, can do you remember what the information he gives was because i can't in my head i can't remember i can't yes. even remember um the information that that he gave was the location of the the colony that refines the chemosite that's used as the weapon mm-hmm. oh yeah okay so yes i agree i believe that good i wanted to find a reason to keep this because it's beauty and the beast um 
in my opinion, knowing where that is is an important bit of information. I don't really particularly like the episode, actually, even though it is a Disney story in in, in a way. But uh, I do think that you need to know where the chemo site is being refined because this plays big later on. Mm-hmm. But with the shipment, could they have just had that as a throwaway dialogue where we got this information from this guy? We could, and it could have. But that could have we could have thrown away extinction by the same way. We could have thrown away impulse the same way too. Right, like you, <laughs> we we could have had a thrown away line in any of these episodes that could have gotten rid of those other two episodes. Well, the trellium with impulse, I don't think you could get away with the throwaway dialogue. Maybe you see, and it, see, but the thing is with extinction is that it's such like their bodies have changed, right? Like mm-hmm. what happened in extinction is their bodies were completely changed and that affected the information that regine got. Uh, you know, I, I understand, right? but if we just say that they got hit by the anomaly in an, in the second episode and the, the anomalies changed them, then that could have worked. Right. But that's rewriting the episode based on what we have. Right. Mm-hmm. So, in the shipment, when they say we got this information, from, like I don't remember the dialogue in the shipment, but if they just say, "Look, we got the information from this guy," it's not necessary to have seen them getting that information. You know, they're just saying that they got the information from this person. Where with Regine, them having been changed directly affects her getting her information properly, and them being changed what happened in the previous episode. Let me make this argument then. What if? All they did was at some point mention that somewhere between those two episodes, they ran across a planet that tried to turn them into another species. But to me, that's too different because having your body completely (laughs) genetically changed is more of a story than this guy told us where to find this planet. Yeah. This guy told us they could have just gone to a bar and paid for the information. I don't know what's said exactly in the shipment, so I could be wrong. But the throwaway dialogue of this guy gave us where this planet was, you don't need that story. That can just be throwaway dialogue. Where if they say, my body's been changed, that's not just throwaway dialogue. You're like, what are you talking about? How did it right? change and why did it change? I yeah, guess. what did... Right. So, I'm still keeping this. <laughs> sure. Go right ahead. Um, for 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 me on exile, I I, I do say it, it is essential. Um, the only thing, like, kind of, I was kind of going in thinking, you know, we we'd find out a little bit more specifically about the Zindi themselves, but really, it's more just the location of where where the colony's at that they're refining the chemosite. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there are uh, they're they're kind of sort of figuring out how the spheres work there within within the expanse mm-hmm. and the spheres definitely play bigger later on okay crab face stays yes crab face stays <laughs> all right on to the shipment enterprise discovers a zindi mining outpost where components of the zindi weapon are being assembled patrick why don't you take this one first well i mean this is obviously a keeper, right? Because mm-hmm. this has to be essential. You mm. you end up going and finding the place where they refine the chemo site using the weapon that's going to destroy Earth. If you don't have this, yes. you have no season three. Yeah, right. you got it. Absolutely 100% Plus, essential. Isn't this when we first meet Degra in those? Um, I think we've seen Degra within the the Zindi Council scenes because he is on the council. This is the one where we'll meet uh, where we we'll meet 
Janar. 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 Okay, right. So I who mean, I just got in Star Trek Timelines. Yes, finally. Yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I heard that that game is a huge time vampire. So I haven't. Yeah. Yes. Money vampire. Time vampire. Stay away, Patrick. Stay I have. Yes. Stay far, <laughs> far away. <laughs> Which actually he's I already the... have STO. Yeah. Uh, Jannar is actually the first of the the Voyage exclusives that that I've gotten immortalized. So, so oh, nice. that, that's that's another reason for me to keep this one. <laughs> Unanimous. So, all right, next one, and we are on to Twilight. Gotta wait for my thing to load here, real quick. The effect of the Delphic Expanse anomaly leaves Archer unable to form any new long-term memories. Twelve years later, he wakes up one morning and is stunned to learn the outcome of the human-Zindi conflict, including the loss of Earth and the near annihilation of the human race. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with this one? Okay, I'm going to need some convincing on this one because my initial impression is not necessary because nothing ends up... Nothing ends up mattering that happens in the episode. It's completely wiped out by wiping out the parasites in his brain. I'm so I'm so upset you came up with that answer, mm-hmm. um, because unfortunately I want. It's to a great find, episode. It is it's a great oh, episode. And yeah. I want to find yeah. a reason to keep it. My problem is, like you said, at the end of this, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I will say this: it does to me. I don't know if it's essential to the season, but I think it's essential to the series. And that's two different things. Yeah, because if we were doing just essential Enterprise episodes, this one right. would probably be on. I it. think it would make it because it shows how much T'Pol has changed from beginning to now. Mm-hmm. That she's willing to stay with him 12 years later and take care of him. Does yeah, that make sense? I, don't yeah. I just don't know if that qualifies for the season, but I think it qualifies for the series. Yes. Yeah, season no, series yes, in, in my opinion. Um, it's one of those really good filler episodes. The only thing that I really don't like is T'Pol gets a little too Florence Nightingale on that. Well, I have a theory that they were writing them into a love story and then backed out of it. They were. They yeah. were, you know. But I don't know. I just, what, how, how, I don't know. I just, I don't quite buy that she would have stayed with him for that long. But, or at least only because of the situation with them, you know, with Earth getting destroyed is the only reason that she decided to. But, yeah, I don't know. We get we get just as much building over the rest of the series of their relationship and mm-hmm. their trust. That I guess. That... I, I think if it was a series, I would keep it, like I said, because I think it shows a future that could have played out even though it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. But, I, I agree with you. It's a really hard one to keep. It's a stretch even to keep it for the series, but I definitely don't keep it for the se- season. Chris, um, yeah, the, this one I, I I'm uh, unanimous with. You know, not including it with the essential season three, um, just because it's one of those, like I said, one of those typical filler episodes. We get we get a little bit about you know some of the characters, but other than that. It's 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 not moving the plot forward any. It's just kind of just because of the whole reset there at the end of the episode. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if if they do end up it, see that's the other thing, if they would have continued the storyline with T'Pol and Archer going into a love story, then I think maybe this would have changed my mind. But mm-hmm. but, but right. they don't. just had to use a southern charm on T'Pol. 
Right. So then that changes that that throws away that argument to keep it. And I want to keep it because I really like the episode. But Me too. It's not yeah. an essential. And I don't I don't buy to Paul and Archer as a shipping relationship. Like, you know, once we got Hernandez, it's clearly Archer and Hernandez, yeah. right? I'm yeah, not so. I'm not big on caring about the shipping aspect. <laughs> he shows it all. So <laughs> And, you know, and really another nice little callback within Twilight, though, is we get that they're on SETI Alpha 5. So they've only got, like, what, 110 years before the SETI Alpha 6 blows up and they're in a wasteland. So, all right. Next episode is North Star. Archer and the crew try to discover why a 19th century era human settlement has been placed in the middle of the Expanse. Patrick, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? Here's another one where I really enjoy the story, and I really don't think it's essential. Um, I don't know because it all kind of takes place here, and they never go back there. It kind of, I can, I can kind of just you can skip this and not really miss much for the rest of the series season, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I missing something? No, I agree with you, Patrick. I don't think it's essential for the season. It's a great episode, right? But I just don't think that. Uh, uh, I, don't, I just don't think that it's definitely necessary for the season. Yeah. Um, the only way this becomes necessary is if the story we wrote for this show in season five ever actually happened. Right. Yeah. You know. Before we move on to the next episode, Patrick, I got something I got to add to this one here, but we'll get Chris's opinion on the episode first. All right. For for me, uh, North Star, unfortunately, is not essential. We don't learn anything about the Zindi or the Spears or anything like that. And I really did try to find something to keep it, but nothing. It's it's one of my favorite from season three, though. Yeah, it's yeah, not I even just because might... we got Cowboy Archer, Cowboy Trip, and <laughs> right. I agree. It's a great episode, and one of the things, like you know, some people. I guess you, people can make the argument when we see how they are, you know, when when um, fighting against uh, racism and stuff. But we kind of already knew that about Starfleet, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that. This is some new information we get at all. Right. It's just a retelling of of a star a story that we've been learning through Star Trek from the very beginning. Since so, let that be your last battlefield, which I think this which, one actually does it better. <laughs> um, I they both did really well. Let I there's a soft spot for let that be their last battlefield in my heart because that was the first episode I ever watched. Okay, and there's a better episode that's a comparison coming up for let that be your last battlefield coming up soon. That's here. true too, but that'll always hold high <laughs> high high standards for me because it was my first. I sat down and watched it with my dad. Um. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we get anything new or anything that plays out later. We just kind of get a really good story, which is fine. And if it's love it or leave it, then I'd love it. But it's not it's not what we're doing here. We're doing right. essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, two in a row. So what would you want to add, Brandon? Okay, so you remember how I always said that that swipe bothered me in this episode? The one that I never saw before you said it? It doesn't bother <laughs> me anymore. You know why? <laughs> because now it bothers me, so you're fine with that. No. Because of the season two finale of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> wait, wait, what? And because uh. Olatunde Osinsomne used that awesome split screen during that battle at the beginning when he like he had number one and then he split over to Detmer and then they split over to I think it was Detmer and then they split, split to Saru. Yep, Saru. And they had the the three split screen on there. Uh I'm like, okay. I, I, they've never done that before, and it's awesome. 
I can get away with the swipe, and the swipe in North Star doesn't bother me anymore. Because of <laughs> Day, I'm glad that Somni. somehow Discovery fixed something in Enterprise for you. <laughs> uh, you because know. that split screen in in uh, the season finale was so cool and so mm-hmm. perfect. I'm like, yes, we need more creativity. Wait a minute, North Star. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the real truth is, it drives me crazy now, and he's happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just claiming temporal shenanigans on the whole thing, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, up next is similitude. During an engine performance test, Trip is critically injured and left comatose in sickbay. Fox suggests that Tucker's only hope for survival is the cre- creation of a mimetic symbiote, in other words, a clone. The crew and Trip's clone have to face the unforeseen emotional ramifications of his creation. I'm going to go ahead and start this one off. I vote to keep it. Originally, I said, how how can you continue without our chief engineer? But uh, further on in the season, there are callbacks to to this where T'Pol is telling Trip, you know, Sim said, hey, you know, I have these feelings, but I'm not sure if they're mine or his. Referring again back to Trip. So that yeah. is that is my my basis for keeping similitude. Um, I don't believe it's essential. I get, I get your reasoning, and you're probably, it's good reasoning. My problem is I don't care about love stories in Star Trek. <laughs> the first one I care about is in Discovery is Colbert and Stamets because it's like the first one that's not a miserable relationship. Other than yeah. that, like every relationship in Star Trek has been like, oh wow, I can't believe those two are together. So I just kind of ignore them. <laughs> um, Who so are you? I'm a horrible person. I get it. Who are you? You you love Disney. I do love Disney, but they don't make these toxic, terrible relationships. You know what? I think he's a heartless right. from Kingdom Hearts. Let's stop. <laughs> Have you guys watched a Disney movie? Like seriously? Yeah. Beauty and the Beast is a love story. It is totally. So I guess I should like all of these toxic relationships, but still, the point being here is, I don't, I don't, and since I don't, I could throw all those other lines away about Sim saying this and whatever, and be fine with it. Uh, I and I don't actually like the episode too, but I just don't need it as an essential. See, the reason why you like Beauty and the Beast is because it's a good loving relationship and you're slightly better looking than the beast. I'll take it. That's the first compliment I've gotten from Brandon in a year. Well, let's, let's work that on a little ticker wherever it's at. Yep. Well, I was going to make the joke that we didn't need it just because I thought that would tick off Patrick, but I do think it's essential because of, uh, the relationship and how it builds later on. So, um, I was going to make the joke that we didn't need it. And then <laughs> I'm glad I stepped all over your joke. You know, but you're actually serious. Yeah, Patrick no, kind of just got there. So, <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I just, maybe look, maybe it's my age too. I didn't when this show came out. I was in my early twenties. I didn't care about relationships on the show. I just didn't. Sorry, you know, I didn't. I didn't care about them in TNG. I didn't care about them on Voyager. I didn't. Care about him on DS9. In fact, DS9 that was like the worst relationship I've ever seen. Um, well, welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp Five with your with your constant hosts Brandon Matella and Chris Hill, with special guest Patrick Devlin, who will only be on this. I just freed up a bunch of Sundays. <laughs> All right. All I had to do was hate extinction and not like this relationship. <laughs> Whatever. Point so, being is I knew you guys were going to keep it on me, and I don't care. 
All right, moving on. <laughs> we'll go on to uh, Carpenter Street. Archer and T'Pol travel back in time to stop the Zindi Reptilians in 21st century Detroit, or Detroit for our French listeners. Uh, Brandon, go ahead. <laughs> well, I've already pled my case for this one. I think it's absolutely essential because of uh, anomaly and extinction, uh, or sorry, extinction and regime. And uh, not only that, it's a great episode, but mm-hmm. not only that, you know, we got the time travel aspect of of them trying to come up with a way to kill them in the past plus they've mentioned this other plan they've mentioned before you know like so there's there's a lot of callbacks to this episode uh plus it's just darn right great and you know we got that creepy slimy guy patrick i agree with brandon on all points um i think which is amazing because we never agree but uh <laughs> i i think no i think this is absolutely essential even if i don't think you need extinction to get here. Uh, regime is enough for me to get here. And impo- more importantly about all this, um, I like the fact that, and I, this probably doesn't make it essential, but now T'Pol has to come to grips with the fact that the Vulcan Council is wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because remember, time travel doesn't exist. Yes, yes. The, the Vulcan Science Director has determined that. Which I agree with. <laughs> Correct. So now we, we that to me that that in itself, I guess for me, makes it kind of essential too, because now we're proving that, you know, that's not exactly how it goes. Right. The, the Vulcans are not always just right. I'm I'm voting to keep or as essential as well. Uh, it, we kind of we actually see what they're planning with their their second weapon, which is the bio weapon, um, and mm. plus we need you know a really good you know time travel episode because. What's Star Trek without a time travel episode? It's less confusing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next is Chosen Rome. Uh, the Enterprise is hijacked by a group of religious extremists who worship the mysterious spheres in the Expanse. Uh, Patrick, go ahead and start us off on this one. All right. Um, trying to remember. You know, it's not one of my more favorite episodes, actually. Uh I think this is a keeper because, again, we're talking about spheres. And if we're talking mm-hmm. about spheres in this season, I think we have to keep it. It's basically what it comes down to. You know what? I think we have to keep this one as well. Um, <clears throat> I think it's important for the spheres because we talk about them. But also, if I remember correctly, is this not the first episode where a crew member dies? I do believe so because that, cause the, the extremists, or one, once that one extremist, you know, plunges their little... Neuro explosive. Uh, there is a crew member that gets airlocked without the airlock. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, season three is the first one, but I can never remember if it's Anomaly or this one. And I'm actually pretty sure it's Chosen Realm. Yeah. When the first character dies. I thought Anomaly. On the ship. Someone dies. Uh, you might be yeah, right. I'll see yeah. if I can look it up. You might but be right. But yeah, definitely because of all the stuff, all the information that we get out of the out of the spheres. In this yeah, if it's a sphere episode, Agreed. in my opinion, it's kind of guy has to stay because that's the whole. That's a big part of the arc. Yeah, yeah. For, for 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 me, it was you know, does it have Zindi? Does it talk about the spheres? If it's no and no, then for me, it wasn't essential. This one talks about the spheres, so we're keeping it. Hmm. I'm just taking a look right now. I'm seeing if I can find out. Have we said um, no to, on what, one episode so far, right? No, no. yeah. So I guess it is in, uh, 
the tactical officer died, Fuller died in anomaly. Okay. That's right. You know what? Now that you say it, I remember yeah. because we talked about the fact that nobody died for two seasons, and then all of a sudden, episode two, we have a death. Of yeah, okay, three. yeah. So it is, it, is, uh, it is anomaly. But still, there's not many deaths in the season, and this is and one then of them. And Chosen Realm just kind of opens the floodgates from there. So Yeah, that, this is the beginning of the poop hitting the fan, or apparently the ship. Yes, the ship hitting the fan. Worst line ever. <laughs> but it's a dad joke. I like dad jokes. Oh, man. All right, on to Proving Ground. That's a number two joke from number one. Yes. <laughs> That's really Even better. Joke. <laughs> All right. So with, with Proving Ground, an Andorian ship commanded by Shran unexpectedly appears in the Expanse to help the Enterprise locate the Zindi primary weapon. I will go ahead and start on this one. This one is essential. Not only do we get Shran from previous seasons, but it shows us where the Zindi are testing their, their weapon. And we we get our continued conflict of, you know, Archer and Shran. Just, you know, friendly banter. Brandon? Mm-hmm. Absolutely essential because of how far along the testing is of the weapon and them having to steal the weapon in order to be able to get some information on what it is they're actually fighting. Uh, this is absolutely an essential episode just for that. I disagree. It's completely unnecessary. Lies. It is lies. But to add to what you guys said, <laughs> the reason why it's also essential is we now see the Vulcan's refusal to help. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that sets up up going into season four, in fact. So right, right. without th- just that part of this episode would be losing just that part would be a problem. Which, you know, we could, you know, develop it further into hopefully or what what we were hoping for at the time it was actually coming out was that we'd get the Romulan War, but you know, sadly Right. We didn't, but yes. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> On to Stratagem. Uh Enterprise captures Degra, the mastermind behind the Zindi Weapon Project. And Archer tries to trick him into revealing the location of the final weapon. Patrick, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? The fact that this is the first time we hold on to Degra makes it essential for me. Because this begins the relationship that Degra and Archer, and Archer convincing him that maybe what he's doing is not right. Okay. Brandon? This is a tough one for me because I think at the end of the episode, Dagger doesn't remember any of it, but they do get the information of where Azadi Prime is, which is yeah. essential for later on episodes. So I I think it's essential for that alone. I love the episode. I really love this episode a lot because I like seeing Archer and... Um, and Dagger together, and honestly, like I, I, the first time I watched this season, I was fooled. I like I didn't see the twist coming, that it was just a, a setup. I thought it was, I I didn't know where they were going to go with it, but I thought right. it was a few years down the road. So I think it's a very well crafted episode, and I really love this episode a lot. Um, I I'm also deeming this one essential. We get Dagger's interrogation. And in, within that interrogation, we learned that he actually had a third child that did not make it. And that's what kind of gets him to trust Archer later on in the season. Plus, mm-hmm. we get we get to see what Zindi prisoner Archer looks like. Yes. Now, our next episode is Harbinger. Enterprise rescues an alien from a massive spatial anomaly 
but its lone pilot refuses to explain why he was there. Reed and Hayes confront each other over their roles on the ship. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? This introduces the Sphere Builders. This is absolutely essential because this gives the season its final thrust. While I don't necessarily like the Sphere Builder aspect of the season, it is the final climax of what they did with the season. So um, I, I think it's absolutely essential. I, I'm also voting for this one to be essential. Um, it, it was really nice to see the interaction between Webb. I mean, Hayes, sorry, I'm kind of a big Jack fan, so I know him more as Webb than Hayes. Um, it, was, it was nice to see, you know, them kind of, you know, literally come to blows before coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also progresses, you know, further in or further down in the season where they've kind of built that trust where, you know, if Reed needed a Mako for a mission, Hayes was, Hayes knew that he was going to, or, or Reed was going to do his best. Um mm-hmm. And again, you know, more information on the spheres, so that one's a keeper. Patrick? I, I agree. I think because of the uh, Reed and Hayes story and the sphere story, this is an absolute keeper. Not to mention, uh, earlier on you guys kept a story because of T'Pol and Trip, and you can't get rid of the episode with the neuropressure technique starting if you're going to keep them for that reason. Right. Is so, that in this one? That's this yes, one. Yes. Yes. So okay. if, if that you know, there's three aspects of this series, this show that tie in heavily. Again, I really don't care about the neural pressure stuff, but whatever. Um <laughs> But if you're gonna if that's gonna be a basis for keeping episodes, then that's gotta this has gotta stay for that reason as well. Um mm-hmm. as far as Reed and Hayes, one of the parts I like about that the best is hey, look, now I understand that there are some listeners listening right now they are going to be yelling in a minute because I'm going to say alpha male and that doesn't actually exist. But in stories where you have two <laughs> alpha males, sometimes they got to get to blows before they can move forward. And this is the episode that does that. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to doctor's orders. In order to tra- traverse a transdimensional disturbance safely, Phlox must put the rest of the crew in stasis and pilot Enterprise himself. Uh, Patrick, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? as well uh i'm trying to remember i'm trying to think so this is the one where towards the end of it he's dr flox is starting to go crazy too right correct right right. hallucinations yeah if i remember i don't think we need to keep this episode is there is there something i mean it's a good story actually even though it takes right two people but I don't think anything comes out of this that is essential to know later on or that leads into this, other than the fact that we have the anomalies again. But we kind of already know enough about them that we don't need this episode to explain how dangerous they are. Okay. Brandon? I agree with Patrick. I don't think this one's essential. As much as I enjoy the episode, um, I, I think you can excise it. There's nothing important for the season here. You know, it's a great Flocks episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really like the twist that Paul was in his head the whole time, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's an essential episode and I think you can move it, remove it. And Brandon is an anything. anti-twister. <laughs> he doesn't like twists. Hey, no, no, I'm not. You should see me. You get a few drinks in me and I can play twister with the best. <laughs> I, I was trying to set that up <laughs> and it paid off. All right. For me. Um, yeah. I'm going to agree that this one is not essential. Um, really, the only thing that we would get is, you know, sort of how to how humans and Vulcans could safely traverse 
the sphere affected area. But other than that, it doesn't really move things one way or the other. And besides, we see we see Flox almost try to kill Porthos. Mm-hmm. You can't go killing Porthos. Yeah, I mean, if you're a huge Porthos fan, maybe this is essential <laughs> for you, but that's kind of it. He's the second main character of the episode. Yes, yes. All right, next episode is Hatchery. Enterprise finds a derelict Zindi insectoid ship carrying a cache of unhatched eggs, and Archer takes an increasingly obsessive interest in preserving them. This one, um, I'll go ahead and start. I say we can keep it, but it can also be excluded. We We do learn more about the insectoids and some of their tactics, but other than that, not a whole lot we get from it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Brandon? Well, you gotta put me down. What's your vote? Yes or no? I'll go yes. You'll go yes? I'm gonna agree with you. Because this is really the only information that we get on the insectoids, and there's such an interesting culture, and the Zindi themselves, having the six different species, you know, I think it's very important that we get this little look into... Uh, into the insectoids uh and that's the only reason i gotta keep it again i don't think there's anything else that's truly essential in the episode other than flushing out the zindi as a species so i actually agree we we need to keep it but okay had we not had six different versions of the zindi this story alone would be non-essential Right, Correct. yeah. Had it been five Zindi, then yeah. That... <laughs> oh wait, there are five Zindi because the, no, there's the six. Aerials... But the avians are dead. But right, <laughs> but no, I mean, if there was only one Zindi, right, and it was it was just the insectoids, me learning mm-hmm. that they can manipulate people, right, the way they did, right, wouldn't to, be to essential to me since it doesn't play out again the rest of this season. But mm-hmm. due to the fact that this mm-hmm. just gives us a difference between them and the other five, I think it's essential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what I mean by if we didn't have six or four or three or two, you know, if we only had one, the, what happens here wouldn't be enough for me. And and that that was sort of my thinking along too, saying that it could be excluded, but I went ahead and went with keeping it. All right. We are now on to Azadi Prime. Uh, the crew discovers the Zindi weapon and plans to launch a suicide mission to destroy it, with Archer insisting that he be at the helm. But when Archer is captured, he must must convince Degra and the other Zindi leaders that humanity is no threat to the Zindi. Meanwhile, the Zindi launch a heavy attack on Enterprise that leaves the ship defenseless and almost destroyed. Patrick, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? We end up at Zadi Prime, and for that reason alone, it's it's an essential episode. We also see Daniels, who gives information that we need. So this is definitely an essential for me. Brandon? Nah. That's it? Just nah? Nah. I don't know. I don't think we need any of the rest of the season at all myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, of course we need this one. Absolutely. Like, yes, because we start to see him interacting with the council, starting Mm -hmm. to change some of their minds. This is absolutely essential for how the rest of the season is going to go. Not to mention they find the weapon. Right. Like, you know, this is what they're looking for. Absolutely 100% essential. All right, well, we're going to make it three for three. Um, I do believe it's essential as well. Uh, you get to learn learn also the progress of, of how the weapon's coming. 
Mm-hmm. Plus, we get, you know, bonus temporal Cold War action from the first two seasons with, with Daniels mm-hmm. com- coming back. Plus the greatest shot of the series with the beaten up Enterprise yes. right at the end. Yes, My favorite shot of the series. Which, by the way, that makes it essential because it stays beaten up till season four. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there and you that's go, too. You and, can't just and roll it's, away it's, the line like, hey, we got into a fight. Like, you can't just do that. But we're fixed now. <laughs> But yeah, and I think I think it actually stays stays that way until Til season four, season episode. four, episode three, I think. Yes, with home, yep. So, all right, we'll move along on to damage, not home, but damage. Uh, the Enterprise crew must cope with devastating damage to the ship, with another alien ship needing assistance nearby. T'Pol seeks help from Phlox with a personal problem, and dissent grows within the Zindi Council. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and leave us, lead us off on this one? There's so much in this episode that's essential, not to mention the callback to Anomaly, mm-hmm. you know, but them dealing with what happened in the last episode with the battle, having to get the ship back up and running right. again. Um, plus, we've got the setup of T'Pol's um, Drug addiction, uh, addiction yes. to Trellium, right? So, yeah, there's so much in this episode that we've we've definitely got to deal with. All right. I agree. It's it's essential. Uh if for nothing else, we see that they're that put in certain situations, they can become the pirates themselves. Makes mm-hmm. it essential, but yeah. you, then you add on the trillium D addiction and dealing with the fight from the last episode and everything else. You, there's no way you could skip this episode and say you understood what happened in this season. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say we are we, yeah. we are three for three on this one. You know, there we we get the aftermath of the battle. There we see just exactly how far Archer's willing to go to complete the mission. And it seems like he's more obsessed now with the mission than he was with, with the insectoid babies a couple, couple episodes ago. Um, and he does get pretty ruthless, but to a certain point, because he did leave them supplies just in case this next one. Yeah. Next one is the forgotten two members of the Zindi council offer to stop the launch of the weapon. If Archer can prove that the Zindi have been manipulated while the crew holds memorial for their dead shipmates. Uh, Patrick, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? So I think Brandon said it that this this episode is perfectly named because he always forgets which one it is. <laughs> but when we did the, the retrospect. but And it's true. I don't really like the episode. But, but the fact that we're starting to win Degra over makes it mm-hmm. essential. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. Also, the fact that we're dealing with the deaths of crewmen make it essential to some degree. That alone wouldn't do it. But with the Degra information and this, I think we have to keep it. Uh, Brandon? I got two words for you. Seth McFarlane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. So you mean essential because now he has his own show. Yes. Yeah, this sets up the Orville verse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> And see, no, this, and see is, this is why this is why people try try to compare the two. <laughs> this is why right here is why. I'm just saying it's, they, it's they an have important part of the puzzle. About the forgotten. It's an important part of the puzzle. <laughs> uh I think it's absolutely essential for what you've said, but even more so because Trip finally starts to deal with the death of his sister. Yes. He's yes. been holding oh, yes. on to it for so long. You know, just that alone you know, makes this essential. All the other stuff, yes, 
but Trip dealing with the loss of his sister <laughs> finally through this other mm-hmm. crew member's loss right. makes it very important. Because this is when he has to write the letter, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is this the episode? This isn't the episode where he sees Degra, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that scene alone makes it essential too. Yeah. So um, we are three for three on this one as well. Um, in addition to to everything that we've mentioned, it also sets up E squared, which is our next episode that we're getting ready to go into. All right, listeners, just stop now and go watch the whole season. <laughs> Oh, okay. well, okay, let's get on to the next one, because uh, I might cast a surprise vote for the next episode. All right. Teasers. E squared. An accident during an attempt to use a Zindi subspace corridor places the Enterprise in a bizarre confrontation with itself. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and pay off that tease? I don't think this is essential. It's good, but... You could go from the Forgotten to the Council and not have missed anything. Because, again, the ship ends up not existing. Yes, we've had a couple of small teases throughout the season of there being another Federation ship in the Expanse. They keep asking. But you can just push that off to, you know, those torture interrogations of, like, tell us who you're working for. Tell us your fleet movements. Those kinds of things. I don't think that it's essential enough. Yes, we see T'Pol in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Old T'Pol. We learn that she had that relationship with Trip, But, I mean, like, even knowing that, with the, what we have happened in Season 4 with Trip and T'Pol splitting up, I don't know. I just I just don't know that this is essential. And my vote for this one is no, it's not essential. Well, I I, I am actually going to vote for it being essential because it is set up for in in the Forgotten, and it also explains you know why Dolan was asking Archer how many ships Starfleet had out in the Expanse. Mm-hmm. Patrick, you want to break the tie? Uh, no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, not essential. There, moving on. <laughs> That's not what I said, Brandon. He said um, he just said, I said no I don't to, want to no break the question. Tie. So, yeah, see here's the problem. I can see both points very well. I can actually make an argument for both points. And I think uh, if I have to choose, I would say we can move on without this episode. That it's not essential because you can write it off as he was just interrogating Archer. You don't even have to say that there was other ships. Yeah. That he just believed there might be, so he's going to push the envelope for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as the T'Pol relationship, T'Pol and, and... Trip. I mean, Trip relationship. I mean, the problem with that is, forget what happens in season four, but they're in a situation where they have to be together because they're the only people left, right? So yeah. yeah. They, they're in a situation where they're already kind of having a relationship, so it only makes sense that those relationships would magnify when they're stranded. So I yeah. think we can... Uh, yeah, I, I think we. this is not essential. Okay. Well, we'll be moving on now to the Council. Uh, this one is where Archer confronts the Zindi Council directly. So, Patrick, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? I mean, it's essential because he confronts the <laughs> Zindi Council directly. I, you know, so I think you have any one of these scenes where you're in the council chambers mm-hmm. are basically essential, especially this late in the season. 
And this is when we start to see this. Uh, we really start to see a split, and we're trying to convince. You know, they realize that they have to convince the aquatics. Yes. What are they called? Yeah, the aquatics. Yeah, the aquatics. The aquatics, and that's you know. Now we're starting as the viewer to realize just how important and how how important the aquatics are to this decision making, but also the way in which their decision making goes, and how far the insectoids and the reptilians are willing to push the envelope. With not paying, not listening to the rest of the council. Yeah, I I agree 100. percent Yeah, this is absolutely essential. This is the culmination of him. What we had in Azadi Prime, uh, you know, like this is the culmination of that. He's in front of the council. This is the direct result of Azadi Prime. And that's also both both your guys's reasons are the reasons why I deem it essential as well. Um, yeah, we get we get. They even kind of, you know, start to talk about the sphere builders or the guardians as the, the Zindi call them. So we kind of, mm-hmm. kind of get a little bit more built upon that. All right, next episode is countdown. With the help from some, from some Zindi factions, the Enterprise crew attempts to stop the arming of the Zindi weapon. Uh, Brandon, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Even though we probably already know the answer. <laughs> Absolutely essential. I mean, like, this is the action culmination of the season, right? They're chasing down after the ship that's, or after the weapon that's now on its way to Earth, right? Like, this is, this is it. The ticking time bomb, literally. Patrick? Yeah, I agree. You, you can't watch this season without this. So, mm-hmm. um, also, it's the first, is this, isn't this the first time we see them destroy a sphere? Yes. No, no. That, I think that happens in zero in, in the next one. They were they were talking about that they're going to. This is this is when Trip and and Paul. Oh no no! This is when they start to try and find. Yeah, it, this is this is when they're sphere, when they're working on the plan for it. Okay, but that's important yeah. because that's it's important. Destroying a sphere is important. So for that right. reason too, this is this is an absolute essential episode. And and uh, we're also three for three on this one. Um, for for me, it kind of shows Hoshi. Do it, having sort of a badass moment here where she she resists them to where they have to force more of their uh, parasites in her to get her to do what they want. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always nice seeing Hoshi get a get a good moment like that. So and this now brings us on to the season finale zero hour. With the weapon on its way to Earth, Archer leads a small team to intercept it before it can strike. T'Pol leads Enterprise on a mission to destroy one of the one of the spheres in the Expanse. Patrick, we get sphere builders sphere builders in this one. We get the uh, launch of the of the weapon in this one. We find out there's only ten hours before the weapon arrives at Earth. It's absolutely essential. Um, mm-hmm. We also mm-hmm. get the destruction of a sphere. So, again. Absolutely essential. Yeah, yeah. Brandon? I think that this episode is 98% essential, and I think that they should just chop off the last scene. Right, so okay. non-essential. <laughs> just, that's the way Brandon rates it, non-essential. He said 98%, <laughs> right? We got the culmination of the entire season, yeah. but, uh, oh, that cliffhanger. Oh, my goodness, that cliffhanger. What were they thinking? Well, they needed an... To start season four in, in time travel, I guess. I don't know. Um, no, they needed to <laughs> say, screw you, and you better give us another season because Nazis. Yeah. yeah well, know. okay, I forgot that, yeah. 
I'd say 95% then. I'm giving 5% to that bad ending. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely, it's essential because it's the climax of the season. And it's, you, you, yeah. What it, else are absolutely. we doing if the last episode's not essential? Right. Yeah. Well, well, we could get to that in season four. So, but we'll, yeah. but we're on season three right now. Wait, so. no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. The last episode of season four was great. That other thing you people talk about doesn't exist. <laughs> so, but, but just for the record, yes, I do believe zero hour is essential for for season three. Mm-hmm. Excellent, right on. So now I have a question. Well, Even though I we're was... not doing essential season four, because this is essential, is season four episode one essential, Brandon? Oh, we'll have to get to that next time. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil that one. I'm not going to spoil that one. <laughs> So I will. Uh, I'll let you know what I think about that when we get there. Okay. Yes. And that's and how you do my, a cliffhanger, folks. There you go. I think my answer will surprise you. I, I, I hope so. Well, I got to say, I was pretty close. I said I thought we'd hit nineteen or twenty mm-hmm. out of the twenty-four. Right? <laughs> Twenty-one. We got 20. twenty. Twenty out of twenty-four. Nice. We, wait, so, we actually got rid of four. We did. Yes. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even think that that was we got rid of that many. <laughs> so. We ended up with the four that we excluded are Twilight, North Star, Doctor's Orders, and E Squared. Oh, you're wrong. We got rid of five. No. Extinction doesn't exist. No, we kept kept Extinction. No, we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And that's for 83.3% of the season, which is much higher than the other two. Um, And we, we were unanimous... On, out of the 24 episodes, we were unanimous on 19 of them. So the five episodes that we were not unanimous on were Extinction, which we chose to keep. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Exile, which we chose to keep. I said no. You guys said yes. Uh, Similitude. Patrick said no. The rest of us said yes. I'll trade that for Extinction. <laughs> and E Squared. Uh, e Squared, we had... One vote by Chris for keeping it, and the other two said no. So uh, 19 out of 24 for unanimous, which is pretty high. Uh, and really, well. in all seriousness, though, you can mm-hmm. make an argument for a couple of them that we said no yeah. to. Like, yeah. like, I can see Chris's argument for um, E squared. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I can see people voting that way, whereas like certain ones, I just don't see it. You know. And so for a series so far... Now we are we've bumped our average up to fifty nine point two percent for the series. It's always good to be above half. Yes, yes. Yes. So we are now at fifty nine percent for the series for above half, and I predict next season is going to be lower than most people would think. So out of the, I think it'll be a little bit of a lower percentage out of the twenty two, but uh, this is really good. Abs- obviously, with the nature of the story that they decided to tell. Obviously, this would be a higher, uh, higher essential factor because mm-hmm. the stories are all kind of interconnected, and it's those one-shot episodes that we determined are the non-essential ones, mm-hmm. right? And and some of them are very good. So, I, you yes. know, if you haven't watched Listener, I I suggest you watch the whole season either way, right? Just skip Extinction, but <laughs> other, but, but they're, they're good. They're good. They're good episodes. It's just that. They're not essential to know what's happening here. Right, yeah. Like Twilight. Twilight's a great episode. Mm-hmm. You know, North, North Star. Star's a great episode. It's... Doctor's Orders is a good episode. 
I yeah, you know. I, that's how I rank them too, actually. But yeah, but so they're not, a good episode. They're worth. They're all worth watching. Every one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just that if you watch, if you don't watch them, when you get to the final episode and you watch that, you're not going to be confused by anything. Like at least two of these episodes that we deemed non-essential are better than two of the episodes that we deemed are essential. Oh, I can absolutely like. Yeah. I think that. Twilight, Twilight, and North Star are better than Exile and Extinction. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, like <laughs> you know for sure. Um, so we keep, we kept Forgotten too, right? Uh, yeah, we kept Forgotten. Forgotten's a good episode. No, they're better than Forgotten too. No, they're not. <laughs> yes, Forgotten's they a really good episode. North Star's better than Forgotten. You're so cold-hearted. No, North Star's... Wait, how does that have to play into Forgotten? Good episode. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sad. What? You got no heart. He's not talking English anymore. <laughs> my, my, North my, Star you... is one of the best episodes of the season. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you know. Do you see why I'm losing my hair, Chris? Do you, do you see? Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Not a problem, guys. So why don't you tell the listeners where they could find you online? Do you got much of a social media presence? Um, I'm on. I'm in the Babel Conference. Um, I'll pop in with comments here and there. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter at, at the Chris Hill, all one word, and Chris is spelled with a K. Excellent. And right if you on. have the any listeners. dad jokes, just send it his way. Yes, yes. Yes dad jokes <laughs> uh listeners uh, stay tuned after the previously on because patrick and i are going to do feedback from our last episode of warp five uh but other than that uh having patrick pull his hair out is not the only thing we've been discussing here on the network this week so please take a listen to this clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on trek fm previously on trek.fm literary treks the it, it always frustrated me because on on screen we saw in depth the Klingon government the Bajoran government the Cardassian government to a lesser extent the Romulan government we almost never saw the Federation government you know we we three three times we saw a president once we saw the council the council was mentioned any number of times but we never really saw it warp five when I go to throw a switch for the first time, you know, a 4,000 amp switch, I got to wear this heavy, thick, padded uniform to make sure that if something went wrong, I don't die. But if I can get some Tholian silk. Yeah, you could look good it'd be like a, doing it at the same time. Right. right. T-shirt and, and jeans, and we're good. I, I'm just thinking for when I go to Mexico, <laughs> I can have a stylish Tholian silk Mexican Hawaiian or a Hawaiian shirt. I love it. Yeah, because you got to know that that stuff would that that stuff would be light on you. It would look good. It would breathe well. Earl Grey. Yeah, and the odd thing was I really didn't know. And I remember my dad came to me. I was like nine years old. I'm watching TV downstairs in New Jersey, and I'm watching some old James Cagney movie. And James Cagney was, you know, in a scene where he was, you know, beating up a bunch of people, like in a bar barroom brawl. Or and my dad came downstairs it was like 10 o'clock at night and he saw me really watching James Cagney beat up all these guys and my dad said to me you really like James Cagney and I said yeah I do and he goes do you want to be like James Cagney and I thought about it and I said no but I want to be those guys he's beating up <laughs> melodic treks and in this music you have these soaring horns that introduce the melody and they carry it through and The sound, because the register is very high, the sound, and because of the nature of the French horn, 
the sound is very hollow. It's somewhat ghostly and haunting. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV. Or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Warp 5. That will come right to us. You can also find the net network on Twitter at trekfm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. Patrick, should we cover our feedback right now? Sure. You want to do that now? Yes. Let's do okay. it. Okay. So on the episode 186, which where we covered Frankenstein, we had uh, Michael Michael Park Hill commented, that was a great podcast. Much of what comes from the classic comedy Young Frankenstein originates in Son of Frankenstein. Igor, the inspector, and the dart scene, to name a few. If you do not want to do Bride of Chaotica, Brandon Shamatala, I would recommend keeping it in the same universe and genre and track by reviewing Revenge of the Creature. That is what Tom Paris was showing them in the 3D holodeck Chicago movie theater recreation in the episode. Repression. I grew up watching those Universal Monster movies and Abbott, Cons Abbott and Costello along with most old space movies and serials like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. I have a couple of small movie posters. Uh, I have a couple of small movie posters of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein along with The Day the Earth Stood Still, an original metal Buck Rogers laser pistol from 1930 in my office. Another reason why I loved Movie Night on Enterprise or when Paris was doing uh, something similar on Voyager. I did not know that a lot of what comes from Son of Frankenstein originated in um, in this. Young, what Young, Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein originated in comes Son from Son of Frankenstein, right? I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Yeah. But I've never seen Young Frankenstein, so yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't know. I have never seen Young Frankenstein. I have not. I never saw a Son of Frankenstein until I watched it for this. So it's going to be interesting because I wasn't. I did think this was the best Frankenstein movie, but I'm not a big Frankenstein fan. But Young Frankenstein is more of a comedy, right? So right. I think I might like it more anyway, just for that reason. Yeah, and I'd let him know that um, Zach Moore and I, we have a podcast called Franchise Fatigue, uh, which was where we, we cover all of our – like we'll, we'll pick a, a series of movies and cover all the remakes and sequels. And as a bonus content for our friends at the Talk Film Society – we did the three Creature from the Black Lagoon movies for their patrons. Oh, nice. Which will eventually be released in their master feed, which then we will be releasing in our feed for Franchise Fatigue. So Zach and I have talked about those three Creature films. So we, I won't be doing them for Warp 5, but uh, just keep watching the Franchise Fatigue. That's Franchise, not Franchise. Franchise, with no R. Uh, and you'll eventually be able to get us talking about the Creature trilogy um, it, it, we had a good discussion. It was a lot of fun. So awesome! I, I actually can't wait to check it out. Even though it seems like it's a little bit down the road. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Michael also said, I did get a chance to meet the more recent Captain Buck Rogers and Colonel Deering on a few occasions. He posted a picture of himself with them. Mm -hmm. Janet Lee says, here's how I define code. It's a word that is used more on certain groups of people. Anyone can be a thug, but who is it used more more to describe? Blacks. Anyone can be bossy, but but it's used more to describe women. I do not agree with uh, Cheryl Sandberg that... You should ban it because it doesn't fix the underlying stereotypes. Since I see spineless said more about men, that's a code word. I understand what she's trying to say. I just don't see it used more just to describe men. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't associate thug with like a, a racial profile. Like I don't think it, it's used to describe blacks more myself. I and think that's bossy. In- uh, just real quick, I think that's more of an American versus Canadian thing. Okay, that because in be- America it most certainly is used. To okay. describe you, if I took two articles that described the same thing, the same action, but one was a black person and one was a white person, one would say teen and one would say thug, and it would okay. most certainly be a, a color issue between those two, in my opinion. Um, okay, and then bossy. I know a lot of bossy dudes, and I've called dudes bossy before. Um, I have, but teen. I don't. I don't tend to call people bossy in general. Um, like. I, 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 I think there's a like without saying it. I think when you got a bossy woman, people tend to use a different b word. Yes, I right? agree. You know, so I don't know that I would associate bossy with just woman. Um, I, I think it could be used for both, but I don't know that that's just me. So yeah. I, I understand what she's saying though. But spineless, I, I almost maybe would agree with her now that she's put this. Is that maybe spineless is used to describe men more than women because I don't know that I've ever heard it used to describe a woman. I think I've heard it both ways. I mean, look, the the, the base point she's making is very valid, that certain yeah. code words are used for certain people. That is absolutely true. I just don't know if I necessarily agree with spineless being one of them. That doesn't mean mm. I'm right. It just means it's not how I saw it. Yeah. So. All right. That's all the comments for Frankenstein. So I think what we'll do is a few people recommended Buck Rogers. So I think I'm going to make the call that we're going to come back to Buck Rogers at a later time. We're just going to skip Bride of Chaotica. And that way we can get to The Exorcist quicker. So, yes, it it was actually Chris Hill. Yeah. Who said, how about Flash Gordon or Chaotica? And then... Michael, Flash Gordon, that was it. Yeah, and Michael said, you know, he mentioned Buck Rogers a few times. Um, and then, and that was it. Yeah, th- those are the comments. Okay, so that's what we'll do. We'll go to either Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers at a later time, like once we're done the main movies. Because, again, this was just seen on a monitor. So I'm making the decision, because I do really want to get to The Exorcist to talk about it, because I don't really like that movie, and I want to... I want to try and find a person who does like it to have them on. Um, I've fallen asleep every time I've watched that movie. I think it's so boring. The Exorcist? Yeah. I've seen it once. Yeah, so I'd like to get somebody on that really likes that movie. But I do want to get to that because I want to get to another horror movie. So, excellent. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So, awesome. Thanks for reading the feedback. So, uh, Patrick, uh, where can people find you when you're not uh, transforming into Freggles? Well, when I'm not doing that, they can find me on Twitter at Magic Drop 5. There's no spaces, and the 5 is a digit. 
I also pop up in the Babel Conference as often as I can. And they can always find me every other week now, because the season is over for Discovery, over on the edge with my good friend Amy Nelson. Brandon, where can people find you when you're not trying to hide your love affair with Extinction? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella. You can find me poking my head up in the Babel Conference. I'm available here on the network with Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek, which by this time I should have had my episode 100 drop, uh, which is very good. We had Chris Jones on talking about his favorite tracks of Star Trek music. You can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network with my friends Chris and Tom. We have a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast covering all the films directed by the master, Alfred Hitchcock. And every once in a while, I poke my head up in the Cinematic Sound radio network feed with a show called Breaking the Waves, which is all about electronic film scores. And as I mentioned earlier, Zach Moore from Standard Orbit, he and I have a show called Franchise Fatigue, where we cover all the films in a series, all the sequels, and all the remakes. That's available on the United Federation of Podcasts Network, and we are on Twitter at UFP Earth. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, PatronZone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all these details on patreon.com slash trekfm. And at this time, we'd like to thank the wonderful supporters of Warp 5. We greatly appreciate all the support you give us, and we thank you for supporting Trek FM as a whole, and in particular, Warp 5. Uh, that's Norman C. Lau, Floyd Dorsey, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, Mark Flessa, Chris Tribuzio, and Jim McMahon. Thank you so much. We definitely could not do it without you. Well, that's all we got for you this week. Next week, we're going to have, or sorry, two weeks from now, we're going to have Carrie Purvis join us again for her look as a first-time watcher of Enterprise Season 2. So that's going to be a whole bunch of fun, getting her first impressions of that. But until then, remember, you can't be afraid of the wind. 